Star Wars meets Platoon. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story like you've never heard before. At 17, Solomon Kwai joins the Imperial Army, becoming part of the Galactic War Machine. But will he survive? Get down! Lead the way and list today. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story. Available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm Justin Soderbergh. Today, we welcome Ryan Brown, artist and creator, as well as Charles Soule, writer and best-selling, New York Times best-selling author, to the podcast to discuss their book, Eight Billion Genies, as well as a little bit about curse words and so on. Ryan is also known for God Hates Astronauts, Blast Furnace, he like the aforementioned curse words, Eight Billion Genies, and some work he's done over at Valiant. Charles is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written Daredevil, She-Hulk, Death of Wolverine over at Marvel, as well as a bunch of different Star Wars stuff. He's also written Eight Billion Genies, Curse Words, Undiscovered Country with Scott Snyder, Letter 44, Hell to Pay, Shrouded College with Will Sliney over at Image Comics, as well as he's one of the architects for that Star Wars High Republic uh, series over there in the uh, books, comics, all that stuff as well. As well as he's written books, The Oracle Year, Anyone, as well as Endless Vessel, and so much more. This episode of the podcast is Charles and Ryan talking about 8 billion genies right here on capesandtice.com. Welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you? Good. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's very way too serious compared to what, how we were talking before that. That was way too serious. Thank you. Thank you so much. For I'm going sure to uh, try and loosen up. It'll yeah. be good. So I wanted to wait until I talked on this recording, but Charles, yes. you actually visited my LCS in Bangor, Maine. Oh, oh yeah. Galactic Comics and Collectibles. So that's a funny story on that. So I wanted to, I've always wanted to talk to you about this or always, like it's mm-hmm. been a couple months, obviously, but I was leaving. I, I don't work Saturdays. I work Monday through Friday. I'm a creative director for a brewery and I, I work Monday through Friday, eight to five, but I had to fill in on a Saturday. And so I was on my way home. I got stopped by the LCS, check in with Paul, whatever. And he texted me and said that you were in, it, it, you had just been there, whatever. I had missed you literally by like 10 minutes, maybe. Um, yeah. But luckily enough, he was able to get a couple of things signed for me from you, but it was just kind of funny. It was the weirdest thing because no one comes up here. Let's be honest. I live in r- basically rural Maine and, and, and for us to get someone who writes comics or even writes books to here, they have to come for some specific reason, like a convention or something mm-hmm. like that for you to just be up here hanging out and go to our LCS uh, people, you sign the wall for them and, and people commented on it all the time. So thank you for joining us up here oh, in Bangor. Sure. Maine. <laughs> I mean, it was, I had a really good time up there. Actually. I uh, tried the blueberry pie uh, had, bought a or got a can of moxie which i have not actually tried yet oh you gotta drink it there's some moxie right there in the fridge uh, drink uh, okay i guess that's the plan <laughs> I, I tell you what, i am not right. i i'm from maine and i don't like moxie so there it's rough mm-hmm. it's, it's rough. rough my dad drinks it with uh, milk yeah we'll we'll have to chase it down with some of ryan's booze back there i mean look at that that's crazy yeah yeah in my ryan, in my oh, nice man. house look mm, at my yeah, nice house jeez yeah, whoa ryan <laughs> take it easy buddy um so uh what can we tell you well i would like to say is you guys met what heroes con which is this is about a, you know your anniversary of meeting right because heroes con is right up here pretty soon that was our origin wow. story look at uh, that yes yes um some years ago, I don't know exactly how many, I'm going to say it was probably between seven and nine years ago, we met at Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a mutual friend named B. Clay Moore who just said, hey, you got to you got to see this guy's work. It's really cool. And he dragged me over to Ryan's table where Ryan had, I think, two issues of God Hates Astronauts, something like that. Very Not a lot. Yeah. And I bought them and was very, very, very excited when I started reading them. I thought they were hilarious. I... I'm pretty sure I reached out and said, I really thought these were funny. Is there more? Something like that. Um, but I really, I was, I was extremely impressed with his work from the, from literally the first time I saw it. And uh, I don't know how we went from there, from me just being one of the the legions of people at his table to actually becoming friends and hanging out more. I think it was just from being in the scene. I mean, I know, I know the answer to that. Please. Uh, fast forward to that October New York comic-con mm-hmm. Um it was before neither of us had worked for Marvel. We went. There's a Marvel party, 
that every year. And and the upstairs is a private event for the Marvel Party. And then at a certain point, it opens up and anyone can go up there. Mm-hmm. And so Charles and I were uh, down in the lower depths in the bar that was open to the public. And there was a Detroit Tigers baseball playoff game. This would have been 2012. And that's when seeing Charles there, realizing that we're both from Michigan. Mm. And so it was the Michigan roots that we started talking about. And Charles's, wow. Charles's wife is actually from the same hometown I'm from. And so we made plans to meet up at Christmas when we would both be in Michigan. So that's how we that's how we started having like an actual relationship. Like friendship? Yeah. I had no idea. That's how I, we I, that's I, when we exchanged phone numbers, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, I believe it. Um <laughs> I believe that that happened. I have a memory of that. I I remember being down in that dank lower part of McHale's, which is the bar, uh, a number of times. Um, and then, like, when I, then when I saw you that Christmas, you told me that you had just gotten Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I remember. So that was exciting. That was right when things were starting to uh, change for me in terms of my comic writing career, mm-hmm. uh, because my Swamp Thing run started in 2013. So that's, there you go. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I, I, for some reason, thought it was later. But I guess I've been in comics. I guess we've both been in comics for a really long freaking time at this point. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Well, I Doing feel like it. the three years of a pandemic also throws us all off in timing anyway. It feels yeah. like yeah. it's been yeah. longer. Yeah, that's true. It's, that is completely true. Gaping void. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I mean, then so then obviously that related that relationship broke into and ended up with curse words and curse words went on for a couple of years. Um, and, and that led into obviously a billion genies, which is the series you guys just wrapped up. How did curse words lead into 8 billion genies? How did that form? Like how did 8 billion genies come out of that? Uh, well, we had, we had a very rough, like a log line for 8 billion genies before that, um, which, and it was so long ago that it was, it was actually still called 7 billion genies when originally it came to be. And it was Ryan's idea from the start uh, he, I don't, you don't really do it anymore, but he used to do this thing where he would like talk about ideas that are not stories that can't be told. Like, and mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, just little log lines for st- impossible stories. And one of them was everyone on the gets a genie at the same moment and has, you know, has wishes and everything like that. And his, in his view, because he was ye of little faith, he was like, this story cannot be told because at the moment it starts, somebody's going to wish for uh, everyone would be a pile of batteries. That's my favorite. That that, that's my favorite one. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. That never and, happened in the book. It never no, happened. No, it didn't. Real shame. Spoilers. Yeah, no one, uh, no one did that. Time for time for nine billion genies, which is the one thing <laughs> comic with a lot of batteries in it. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna hire Jeff Darrow just yeah, to come in and draw, draw every single battery, <laughs> billion batteries oh, on wow. each panel. Um. So so that was that was before course words. I am not certain of that, but I'm pretty sure. And I I remember exactly where I made up those ideas. It was at Emerald City Comic Con. It was you were at we weren't sitting together. No, but I, I but I came over to the table and you said it. I remember the moment when you said it. And I was like, I don't know. And and I think I said later, I think it could like I reached out to you about it later and said, I think it could be a really cool book, a novel. Yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. no. No, <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No, no, no. We're holding on to this. Oh yeah, you think people want to read about piles of batteries? No, thank you. <laughs> it can't be made into a story, dude. Uh, I'm serious. It can't be. Yeah. Um. So you, you. So it just. I don't know. I. Ryan had the idea, but I will take the tiniest bit of credit for feeling like it was there was something there, and there. Mm-hmm. I always thought there was something there. I didn't know what it was, but I felt like there was there was something about the universality of it. And then I didn't have really anything else other than I, it felt like there was some oomph to it. And so we, we did all of curse words, which was like, I don't know, three years, probably. It was yeah. just four, four years, four, four years. Yeah. Long, long project, which we're still very proud of and a lot of comic stories. <laughs> yeah. Cause I started working on a, in like March and then took some other work and stuff. And then I came out the following January mm-hmm. of 2016, 2017. Right. And for those who don't know our work, uh, I don't know why you'd be listening to this. If you, well, if you only know 8 Billion Genies, perhaps, Curse Words is a, is a, ended up being a 29-issue series about a, uh, it's like a weird fantasy thing, kind of, about, about a wizard from an evil dark dimension who comes to Earth with a mission to cast this world-ending spell and destroy this planet because his boss back home 
the evil demon Syzygy hates it. But once this wizard, whose name is Wizard, because we're very clever that way, yes. uh, gets here, he starts like looking at Earth and he's like, that's a lot better than the hellhole I come from. So I'm not going to destroy it. And instead, I'm going to stay here and tell everybody that I'm a good wizard and everyone would love me because there's no magic on this planet. And when Syzygy sends all of his other minions to come kill me and kill this world, I'll just beat them all back. And so Wizard, who is a real prick, ends up becoming the de facto savior of Earth and, and defender of Earth. And over the course of the 29 issues, we see him journey from being a total asshole to being a total asshole who you still kind of root for. And <laughs> uh, it's really fun. It's kind of like uh, Archer or Rick and Morty, except with Wizards, as opposed to um, spies or, or scientists. And, and we did that for years, and we, we ran the whole series through very careful budgeting and uh <laughs> um but we 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 got through all 29 issues uh did a beautiful hardcover omnibus of it which is available through image comics right now you can there's one there in the back uh so so we loved it but when that wrapped up we it was right right just before kind of the pandemic kicked in and we were thinking about what in the world are we going to do next um and i've been talking for a while so you can take over if you want right uh yeah we were trying to figure out what to do next so uh, I just, I took some paying work for a while, um, while we were kind of recovering because doing a monthly book for image is like one of the greatest joys you can have as a creator, but it's really hard, um, because you have to make the book and then do all the little minutiae around the book, setting up for press, you know, keeping it on schedule and stuff. So, um, marketing PR, like there's so yeah, much, marketing PR. there's so, there's so Legal. much, there's, there's so much, yeah, there's so much that you do, uh, when you're, uh, making an image book that's like beyond just drawing pages. And so I just took a, I took a job with Valiant working on Quantum and Woody. Uh, and I just drew Quantum and Woody for four issues and then uh, tried to build up the energy to like starting from scratch on an image series. It's basically where we are now after finishing 8 Billion Genies. So mm -hmm. like you have to take a break from the intensity of that schedule and like the, the amount of brain power you put into it. And so um you know, with 8 Billion Genies, you know, it was, it was at least, I'm trying to remember how much we did before, like, it's almost, it was almost a two-year process making 8 Billion Genies, which was an eight-issue series, but with oversized issues, so it was, it was basically 10 issues worth of um, content mm -hmm. that I, it took up about two years to come up with the idea and round it into shape and then get all your ducks in a row to like be able to do the series. Um, so like us deciding to work again, uh, together again was, um, you know, of course, figuring out what the project was going to be. And then Charles not quitting with the 8 billion genies idea, thinking that it was, there was something there and me saying, well, good, you're the writer, you figure it out because I can't, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then, and then for a while, just kind of being like, wow. you know, when Charles figured out that you could like set it in this bar and, and, and what the rules would be and the restrictions so that everyone didn't just get turned into the, a pile of batteries that the story was about, or the whole world didn't get blown up on page one. And then that was it. And so when Charles figured out like the framing structure and like the rules that would lock it in and that we would focus on these eight people in a bar that uh, the bartender wishes that everyone in the bar and the bar itself is not affected by any outside wishes. And so that gives you this um, grounding spot to tell the whole story from. And then I was like, well, I mean, you're going to have me draw eight issues of people sitting around in a bar having a conversation. And I, <laughs> I wasn't super excited about mm -hmm. it. Um, but then we just, it was a lot of back and forth and like figuring out um, on my end, figuring out some of the visuals to you know, to figure out what the genies would look like and to figure out what the environment would look like. Um, and then Charles figuring out how in the hell to make that into an actual story. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, it was, you know, like a truly collaborative process from, from that standpoint. Um, I want to know why all the genies didn't look like Shaquille O'Neal from Kazam. That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a thought. <laughs> like, uh, Stinbad. Yeah. Sure, I think you're thinking of Stinbad. <laughs> Man, we should have we should have we should have paid to have Sinbad on a cover. Yeah, How great so, would that have been? So we, um, <laughs> one of my favorite. This is a digression, uh, but it is part of the origin story of Eight Billion Genies, and it's one of my favorite 
favorite things that we did in the book. Um, so we had an idea early on, we knew the series was going to be eight issues long. And so we had a thought that what we would do is do photo variant covers for every issue. And each would feature a, an, a real person who had played a genie in some sort of, um, you know, film or TV project or some, or was known for being a genie in some other way. And so we, um, we made a list of them and some of them were obviously going to be out of our range. Some of them were dead. Uh, and, and we ended up narrowing it down to one that we were able to get. And, <laughs> and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to undersell this. This is amazing. It remains amazing. Um, are you familiar with the film Wishmaster? I, I am not. I'm only familiar with it because I've of 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 eight billion genies, honestly. So. Oh wow! Well, you have a real. You have four really I, nice evenings in your future. I didn't sir. realize that we we possibly sold some copies of Wishmaster through this. I, I'm sure we did. <laughs> uh, you know the the 99 cent Amazon rental. Yeah. But so so there's a film. It's a 90s horror film called Wishmaster. It is about an evil jinn. Uh, and the guy comes in and every wish is, is the monkey paw wish. So I wish mm -hmm. that I were famous. And then the, the, uh, the genie, the gin is like, as you, he doesn't say as you wish. What does he say? As you <laughs> he wish. says done. Done. Yeah. Uh -huh. And, yeah. and then, and then the, the, the wish is granted, but the person is famous because they are the most famous child molester in the world, or mm -hmm. they're famous because they, they blew up a nuclear power plant and killed a million people, whatever. So they thought they're going to be famous for something good, but in fact, they were famous for something really bad. And so the Wishmaster series explores that brilliant concept through four motion pictures. And um, there are, the Jinn is played by two different actors. There's one in movies one and two, and then another one in movies three and four. Uh, and we, I'm very proud to say, got the actor from Wishmaster one and two to agree to lend us his photograph for a special cover of Eight Billion Genies number one, that actor, Andrew Dibble. Um <laughs> It is a beautiful thing. The cover is gorgeous. I wish we had one here that we could hold up and show for the for the readers at home. Um, but you can just you can probably Google it. Uh, Eight Billion Genies Wishmaster cover. Yeah. Um, but the the best part about this story was was the business side of things. Yeah. Um, because Andrew has a manager. This was all done through his people, as you would imagine, <laughs> and. Um, we reached out to him and said, this is what we're doing. And is this possible? And the manager is like, well, maybe tell me more. And so I sent over some like projections. Like this is, this is the most we could possibly hope to make from this cover uh, because we've done enough image work that we kind of knew and, you know, whatever. And so the manager gets back to us and says, Andrew, we'll let you do this for $300. And we're like, oh, <laughs> That's Will Smith money is what we assumed. I, it, it, uh, it was a lot. And so we were we were nervous, but we we scraped together our funds and resources and we said, yes, we'll do it. And so we were very excited for about 24 hours until Andrew's manager reached back out to us and said, Andrew has reconsidered. And now he wants $500. Oh, geez. So this was a real dark night of the soul for us. Yes. Uh, it's like we were in a Wishmaster movie. Our wish had come true, but in a way that cost $200 more than we thought it was going to. Mm. But but we we decided that it was worth it for the for the PR bump that we were going to get from having the Wishmaster himself on our cover. Uh, so we said yes. We got, I mean, there's another bit of the story that, that has to do with the photo we sent and stuff, which is all very funny, but I feel like I've been going on a little bit. Um, it, so, it's so funny how it's also it's a one in ten variant too, and that's the funny thing about it is the fact that like some store had to buy ten copies of the yes, of course, yeah, uh -huh. of course, yeah. It's amazing. So and I was so, I just yeah. while, while you were speaking about it, I was like, oh, let's see what that that copy's going for on eBay and stuff like that. And then it leads me into another part is it's so funny because it's going for ten dollars on eBay, which is what you can get it on Ryan Brown's website for. I just googled, I put that up there too. So just yeah, let people yeah. know. And that's how actually funny how I found. The copy I had, one of the copies of A Billion Genies I have back here, I was looking for it and so on and so forth. I Google, I eBayed uh, a signed copy just to see what there was out there. And it was cheaper to buy it from you, Ryan, than it was to actually get it on eBay, which is the funniest thing to me. Well, I still tell you this day when the, they're the, like, oh, I'm looking for this issue. I'm like, literally look for the creator's websites. Yep. It's likely on there for cheaper than you can buy it on eBay. Yep. The, uh, the, 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 the real punchline of the Andrew Divoff story is that it was by far our least ordered cover of the entire series. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, the least popular. People have no idea who he is. Who is this, who is this strange, very intense man? Uh, who, because we couldn't use the Wishmaster, of course, no. because that is owned by New Line Pictures. We had to use his like eight hand. by ten celebrity photograph, and so it's this very intense man with a with a who's not in the comic. No, who's no one? He's not, not in the comic at all. And you, so you have to know like three or four things that are all Almost pretty dead. obscure to realize, oh shit, Wishmaster. But yes. it has happened. There have been people who have come up to the cons and been like, man, I love Wishmaster. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah. But it's like two, <laughs> two people. It's funny how you say that. Like, it's not in the new line owns that that image of Wishmaster. Uh, a local convention we had here in, in Portland, uh, we had uh, uh, David Howard Thornton, who played the Terrifier or played Art the Clown in Terrifier. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he, he was supposed to be there with Damien Leone, who made the movie, who is the only person that's allowed to do his makeup. And they were going to do like Art the Clown photo ops and so on and so forth. But Damien had a, another prior commitment, so he had, to, he had to back out. And so Art the Clown was there. And some people came up and goes, you're saying take a picture with Art the Clown. I'm really taking a picture with this guy who looks like he works at Enterprise Runner Car. This is not, this is not <laughs> what I was expecting. And it was the funniest thing for people. Like, I have a picture with him because we did a can uh, uh, for the convention. It's hard to see, but like uh, it's Art the Clown can terrify oh, yeah. and so we were like talk, we got a picture with him and one of the owners yeah. of the convention but it was just kind of funny it was just this guy standing there it, it if i just showed it to anybody I'd be like who the hell is that i'd be like oh well you have you to know see what? him dressed up <laughs> i'll tell you something if you guys are associated with that convention and you can get andrew divoff there you can get ryan brown and charles soul there because we have yet <laughs> to meet him in person and would really really like to i'm writing that down here we'll, walk, we'll walk there we'll That's walk how much to, it means to, to the middle of maine in the winter, which I don't even that's even physically possible, but we would we would like to do that and to get a signature with all three of us on. Oh God! We CGC that so fast. Mm. There's probably so many copies available out there too. I mean, you must have boxes. Hey, not cool, man. Not <laughs> yeah, cool. there are a lot. It cost us five hundred dollars. Yeah. That was not cheap. It, it, yeah, I, we definitely didn't make our money back on that one. That's okay though. <laughs> it was. It, it was. It is okay because we got this incredible story out of it that has taken up half of this interview time. Yes, and it makes us happy, which is a lot of what we do in the comments <laughs> that we make together, anyway. Well, uh, the moral of the story is that you got a wish, and you got your wish came true, and that's the whole yes. point. The, the book yeah, is about yeah, wishes, yeah, and absolutely. you know, I, I I really like that Andrew Divock wishmastered us on it, though. Uh, yeah, it is, it is pretty. You don't make a deal with the wishmaster. No, well, now we. I don't. We, if only there had been some way to to have learned that ahead of time. That that's a bad idea. If only there were. There I mean, yeah, it, you know, what's what's Wayne Gretzky? You miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You you don't get hundred percent of the wishes. Oh, absolutely. You don't take, so yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, we got him. <laughs> got you got him. But uh, you know, it's funny how you say that. You got wishes, and we're talking about wishes on this thing too. But the the fun thing is about this book. It, it, it's there's there's serious things about it. There, there's funny option. There's like a funniness about it. There's a comedy. There's you know all this other stuff. There's moral thoughts on it. Like it's a it's a deeper book than a lot of people think, in Absolutely. my opinion. And, and that's what's cool about it. It made me think reading it multiple times. Made me think. You know, obviously you sit. A lot of people sit there and, and ask, what would you wish for and all that stuff. And I thought my biggest thing was the wishes that you don't make were almost as big and important as the wishes that you do make. And that was a big thing I took out of it. Like like if you did get a wish not making the wish could actually be more important than making a wish and destroying humanity as a whole. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, we spent a lot of time kicking around. Well, I mean, Ryan's kicking around, which he was incredible at was all the visual stuff, like how mm -hmm. wishes would be, would happen. And mine was, was sort of what you're thinking, like how people would be thinking about this in their hearts and minds. It was, it was a real, I don't know if we're going to, I think we thought as much about wishes as any two people have. <laughs> Well, for years, the the 8 Billion Genies concept was like a really fun bar hypothetical, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. sitting around having drinks, like, what would you wish for? What would happen? And then you can, you can, uh, you know, unspool it in so many different ways on what human, what would happen to humanity if everybody had a wish. And so it just for, for years, it existed as this like ultimate hypothetical. And like what would happen and how fun it is to like expand out what would happen, um, which is what really made it seem like an impossible story to tell mm -hmm. because there was so, you know, there was 8 billion different ways that uh, that could go. I think that the the wishes, the how you portray the genies, the biggest thing I liked about the whole thing was the timing. Like, I feel like every issue was different 
in the sense yeah. that because you skip forward in time so far that like you had to tell a slightly different story each time. But there was wishes along the way that you get to do. Is there any wishes, Ryan, that you were like, I want to, we want to, we need to put this wish in there so I can draw something? Or is it just based on it's a battery? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean, the, the battery thing never went in. Um, I made a lot of references to things that I liked through the mm -hmm. wishes. Um, the problem I had to figure out very early on was that most wishes aren't visual in nature. Mm -hmm. um, like wishing to be immortal or having a billion dollars is not really visual. Um, and so I really kind of cracked it when I realized that like teenagers and children would have wishes and people that would make irresponsible wishes, wishes on a whim, wishes that um, were just enacting some bizarre fantasy. Um, because the bulk of adults would wish for something to improve their quality of life in some way. And so then figuring that out, when you draw big splashes of all these wishes, you know, it's like, why would somebody wish for a giant corn on the cob man? And it's like, well, it was a kid, you know, like a kid thought that that was a fun idea or they did a drawing and they're like, mm -hmm. I want my drawing to be real or something. Um, and so you can, you can pretty much explain away any absurdity as the, you know, some drunk high dude yeah you know, just wishing because it was funny you know kind of thing could be a lady yeah sure um Person. and so, uh like on some of those pages with um like there's a couple of, there's one there's one big splash in issue four where you see the superheroes flying over detroit mm -hmm. had to like come up with a bunch of different ideas and so i i would put as much into it as i could and then i would like i would just text charles and i'd be like give me some ideas for some visual wishes and he would like write little list of things. And then I have a couple comic friends that I would, you know, said the same thing to like, give me some prompts, give me some like improv prompts to like figure out what the hell to put in here. And so that, that would help me keep it fresh and like come up with new ideas. Um, because really I do like, there's a specific thing that I like to draw and, and it only has so much variety to it. And so specifically on this book where you're dealing with the, the the free will of eight billion people it, it was nice to try and like source it from some other people mm -hmm. to like get a different idea of what kind of absurdity would someone would eventually wish for um but yeah i in terms of something that i i didn't draw that i wanted to draw i don't i don't think so i was struggling i was struggling for a lot of it to um I really, I really liked doing those drawings, but they were by far the hardest drawings in the book when I had to like fill space with mm -hmm. wishes to like make sure that everybody knew that this was total chaos out there. Um, the backgrounds became easier as it went, you know, farther and farther into um, into the series. But yeah. uh, those, those early backgrounds were were crazy. That whole the whole sequence in issue three. Um, uh, where where we see a character go outside and explore for a while, and so I I put a lot of like weird video game stuff into it, and um, but that was like the first time of just like every panel I would try and figure out some new idea to like throw in there in the background. Um, you know, like there was there's one part where there's just the two characters having a conversation and they're on the highway, and so then in the background of one panel I just made the highway alive, just like opening a car and like dumping people into its mouth. Um, but you know, just things like that. A lot, there were a lot of curse words references for- I was gonna say that. I saw the Easter eggs and curse words, and, yeah. Yeah. I did see a, 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 you know, one thing on the writing side of it. Uh, the president's name was President- Oh yeah, Blades. President Blattis. Blattis? Okay, sorry, I said Blades, but Blattis. Yeah, uh, which Blades. obviously is a reference to uh, a different Charles Soule book. Letter 44. So so that guy has shown up in a number of series at yes. this point. Uh because he's he's also the president of Curse Words. Yeah. And so so this poor son of a bitch has been <laughs> the president during an alien invasion, basically. Yeah. Uh evil wizards coming to take over the world and destroy it, and all of the genies in the world showing up. So mm -hmm. my theory about President Blades is that um in every universe where where he becomes president, it's it's a terrible like some horrible, crazy, terrible thing happens. The wildest thing in the world happens to this guy. And so there's another story down the road, which is I don't know one million presidents or something, 
We have to figure it out. We have to figure out the title. The presidential multiverse. The, the saddest yes. president, you know, of all. And it's about how all of these presidents keep like when they're like, I did it. I, I got elected. It's amazing. And then like the next day, uh, everybody gets turned into a pile of batteries. Yes. Well, I'm just waiting for uh, waiting for you know him to show up in, in, in Hell to Pay or Shrouded College. That's just the next one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the president of batteries. Mm-hmm. The, battery, the, the battery president. Oh, my constituency <laughs> is batteries. That I have the power. <laughs> president batteries. President, president batteries. batteries. President batteries. Anyway, so yeah, I I think one of the things that Ryan just to get serious for a moment. Yes. Uh, one of the things that Ryan and I really like to do is um is reference our previous works because yes. we are very proud of them. Um, we're actually I would say big fans of each other's work. Um, and so the idea that we are able to create our own books, whether it's first word or letter forty four, anything where we get to make these creative decisions and we own all the characters anyway, it's it's just a blast. I I think there is some sort of legal. We probably shouldn't be quite so free to go like so. So <laughs> I I am not sure, but I think that I, Ryan now owns half of President Blattis, which is ridiculous since I made President Blattis up for letter forty four. But I think Ryan owns him now. But the good yeah. news is I definitely own half of God Hates Astronauts. You do surprise. You're in it. I thought you were gonna say I own half of Ryan Brown. I was like, okay, that's no, it. No, no, no. I mean, you did sell him on the website. Your and website, I, right? You I did. did. I made good money from that, but you can't own people, <laughs> and uh, we are not advocating that. Well, that was that was a, a funny thing we had to do when we we signed the big media deal with yeah. Amazon. Yes, was <laughs> uh, uh, like just lawyerly trying to make sure that they knew exactly what they were getting. Yeah. I actually yeah. went through and made like a little annotated thing of all the references to characters that we own that are not were yeah. not part of the eight billion genies package. So. Right. And to make sure they didn't own 3D Cowboy or yeah, yeah, it uh, it is a shame. Or, uh, I, did, or I mean, I didn't see on the Kickstarter. Story. It didn't say God hates astronauts. You know, an Amazon property. So that's pretty good. I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is. uh it is. It is a shame that Silent E Productions has such a terrible lawyer on staff. <laughs> I wish we had a better one, but lawyers. Are real expensive. They're really expensive, and so we and can tanker it. We spend all our money on Andrew Divoff. And yes, so we exactly. That's it. We're done. A good lawyer. We had to get a real shitty one. <laughs> but I mean, you 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 have the ability. So these wishes things. Obviously, you've been talking about this for years and, and, and figuring these out. And you obviously, like you said, mentioned the creator of the rule. Uh, I actually put the quote in here. I wish that no wish made outside this bar could affect this bar or anyone or anything inside it. Obviously, that comes into effect and into play as the comic book goes along. Um, but also the ability for the genies to really have some will on themselves too, which is something you don't normally see in a wish driven story where like a genie mm-hmm. can say either cancel things out or say, no, we're just not going to do that. That was an interesting take on it too. How did that come out? Like, how did you make that rule? Um, in the way that Ryan's genie design was one of the most central elements to this book's yeah. success, the way he designed the genie and conceived of the genie. I think the thing that you just identified is one of the things that is is very central to this book work in the way that the idea that the genies are able to their their goal is to have everybody wish as many people wish as possible and so that means that they are anti-wishes that shut other people's wishes down and can interpret wishes kind of how they choose they are not going to actively monkeys paw you unless you really deserve it but they will definitely kind of you know massage things a little bit away from anything that keeps the, the entire world from wishing because it 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 what you want in a book called eight billion genies is to get as many of those eight billion wishes on screen so to speak or even referred to as possible and that idea that story idea is is a lot of what made it happen so mm-hmm. i mean because you could easily have a genie and be like i want no one else's gen- wishes to come true and then yeah. grant yeah. that, and then the book would be over. I still think it would have been funny for you guys to like go slide, uh, you know, all together and like say it was gonna be a one eight issue series, have it be only a one issue series, and have it, the world just end in the first issue, and everybody be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> on, on on page eight when the genies appear, then just the yeah. rest of the pages are white and just yeah. white pages, Done. and the rest of the issues just come out all white pages. <laughs> um, I should also say just to uh, to tag up on something we talked about earlier, yeah. I actually have a law degree, so when I was talking about our shitty lawyer, I was yes, talking yes. About- we have a we have the company actually has an extraordinary lawyer. We do. He, if he's, he's great. right now, he's great. He's the best. We love him. Uh, his name's Eric Feig. He's he's really really great. Does a heck of a job for us. So I don't want him to think that we were denigrating him, and so he should not sue us. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. You, I was defaming wait. myself, not you, buddy. Yes, exactly. Right. Well, it's okay. funny too. Is a couple episodes ago, about a month ago, I had uh, Mark Guggenheim on too, and he was oh, talking yeah. about how amazing like of a lawyer, how much of a lawyer right. he has too. Which obviously he's a a, a reformed lawyer, right? Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he's awesome. He's awesome. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, but like I said, it, it was a cool. The whole book is a great thing, and I would love to have talked. I want to talk more about what's going on in the book, but I really think people should read this book because it has a little bit for everything in it. So my mom, my my, my mom, my wife is a big fan of Charles of your books of anyone and, oh, awesome. and so on. So, so she'll read anything that you were put out there. And that's why I've got the endless vessel for her and, and, and back to Kickstarter for her. But um, I told her, I said, even her, who's not a huge comic book fan, I feel like mm-hmm. would enjoy this. I, it, I, I tried the hardest to get her to read the light of the Jedi, but that's not just not happening. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that there's that. And I'd love anybody who's fans of curse words is going to be a fan of this too. Cause the artwork, uh, you, your artwork's always been amazing, Ryan. But you can see the the transformation too from the the first issue of Curse Words all the way to this, and how much yeah. how amazing the artwork is in this, and the genie style and all that stuff is unique, and, and the whole series is amazing. And I mentioned when you went to get the batteries there, Charles, about the idea that the timing of the comic book I think is amazing, like how every issue is basically different in a sense that because you go through time so fast fast i say fast just because it's eight issues and you went through eight centuries but mm-hmm. that each issue is technically its own little like different way of telling a story because things are right. different as time passes and that's a yeah. unique thing i think yeah you know we 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 have vast and rampant imaginations and i think we could get a little bit bored um with the same thing over and over again uh and so that's why we tend to choose premises that let us let the ideas really go to as many places we yeah. can think of and Ape and Genius is a great example. Curse Wars is another great example. Uh, I cannot stress strongly enough for listeners and readers and watchers, watchers, audience, anyone here, really, uh, that if you liked Ape Billion Genies, you will also really like Curse Words. It is a great book. It is excellent. It is excellent. Speaking of Curse Words and this, Ryan, you uh, didn't color most of Curse Words. What made you decide to, to color this? Mm. Um, well, I, I, I did a lot of finishing on the colors in, in Curse Words. Okay. Um, we had a colorist that kind of bailed out during issue one. And so I took over and, and I colored all of issue one of Curse Words. Um, and then we went through a couple different other colorists, but I always kind of retained like doing like the finishing touches on them. Um, and it's just like a weird control freak that's sometimes <laughs> difficult to work with. Uh, so, um, so you know, like, so on I mean, Curse Words, the main colors was Addison Duke, and he had never colored a comic before. He was a, a digital painter guy. And so um, I I kind of taught him how to do it. And so some of the early, early issues, he started on issue six, and some of those early issues, we were kind of half and half coloring. But then by the end, he was pretty much doing the whole thing himself. Um, uh, but, you know, like, the, the level of control, like I think color is super, super important. And I think people, when they read comics, they respond to the colors more than what the line art is doing. And like, whether they know it or not, like people intuitively respond to colors and they get off put by bad colors and they find good colors to be attractive, even if they don't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, um, one of the keys to being able to color it was I, uh, one of my childhood friends, was without work he was a professional graphic designer and an illustrator and so i was like do you want to just be my assistant and help me do this because with coloring you stare at the screen so much and it was really hard on my eyes so uh so having him there to be able to do a lot of the initial setup uh was hugely important for me to be able to do it um because on on that book with uh, his name is Kevin Knifstein. With Kevin Knifstein doing, he would put in about two hours of work on each page, and then I would be able to finish coloring each page in like an hour to two hours. And so that meant that I would have, you know, four weeks roughly to draw it, and then I'd have a whole week that was just coloring. It was just like my coloring week. And I could only color an entire issue in a week with having an assistant like do a lot of the work for me. Um, so, like, that that to me was wonderful because I just, especially on something that I felt was so important to get right, 
Um, and then having the genies be expressed so much in color, uh, I just thought that, I mean, we played around with hiring another colorist and I just, you know, it was probably a bad idea for me from like a stress workload uh, perspective. Uh, and I probably will do it again as long as there's enough like buffer time really, really built in. Um, but it ended up, you know, like I do all the production design. I do, I do, you know, so much of the, the, the look of the book, I did the logo, I did all that stuff. So, um, you know, it was, this book was successful enough that people were, uh, you know, nice and patient for it. Yes. And so our, num our numbers didn't really suffer, even though the issues, we started making the issues longer and longer and longer until we had issue seven was 32 pages, um, which means our deadline kept getting stretched out and out and out. Um, but thankfully our numbers and like audience didn't drop. And, mm -hmm. and so like me being the colorist, uh, I think made a better product. And thankfully that like that gamble paid off that people were going to be patient for me to like find a time to do that all. Mm -hmm. And it does bring a whole thing together. You, you do your own coloring. It does help with, you know, you, you, you probably, you obviously see it in line work, but you obviously see it in color as you're drawing it too. And so I think there's yeah. that aspect of it too, that is complete to me. I mean, before I started really getting into comic books, I didn't even realize at the very beginning that there was someone who, who, you know, penciled then inked and, and then colored with different people a lot of times. And it wasn't until I started diving deep down a number of years ago, realizing there's someone who actually letters a book. That's not, not the person who yeah. actually draws or writes the book and so on and so forth. Which is Yeah. Well, the, the color is so important for storytelling. And so to hand off, um, you know, to, to figure out the line art, I'm basically doing unfinished work and then, you know, like handing it off to someone else to like get what I'm doing. Like the way to use color is how you focus the attention. Right. So, you know, like pushing things back and muting things out that aren't important to the story. They're just like, you know, filler, not filler, but like they're, they're world building stuff like that isn't important. And so using color to, um, you know, when you set out to make a page of a comic, the first thing I do is figure out what the most important panel is. And so and, and then you build you build the whole page around that. And so uh, you do that with color as well. So the higher the contrast, the brighter the colors, the, you know, you can, you can focus the eye and make uh, a, a page have like, a, you know, moments that really sing and moments that are really back so that you have some variety. And when you see bad coloring in comics, it's usually like flat, every color, like the colors are uniform throughout the entire page. And then every page is, we pick this palette and we use this flat and we do it every single time. And then like visually to me, that is just super, super dull. Mm -hmm. You can also, I mean, color can be used for emotional content very, you know, for sure. Like yeah. if you have exactly the same line art and you color it with sort of a cold blues palette versus a, a sort of a hot reds palette, the way that feels to a reader is, is very different. And yep. you can just adjust the way the emotional feeling of, of a page lands which through color alone exactly the same line art different palette and it just feels different yeah. um there's also there's a there's a trick um that ryan figured out in uh in in one of the genies issues where, where one of the genies is like going along and having adventures and the way that he chose to all all of that is told in color because you have to sort of follow this genie through a lot of different moments in time when the genie doesn't always look the same at those moments in time and so tracking what's going on, it's, it would not work in black and white at yeah. all, it would fail. And so it's one of those things where I think we were really fortunate to have Ryan stirring the ship on, on so much of the art side of this, because it, it, you just have a different, and, and I think the equivalent for me is, is the way that when I write issue one, I have a, not every beat, but I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in issue eight in a way that I almost can't really explain. Like I, I, I think you knew what I was going to do in issue eight, but you didn't, you didn't know, no. And yeah. that's something that I, I just can do. And it's, and it's, we have built enough up enough trust in each other's creative abilities that if Ryan says he's got it, I don't worry. I know he's got it. And I think the, the I hope, I mean, maybe not whatever I'll, I'll prove myself to one of these days, time. most of the time. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those, it's one of the really nice things about a creative relationship where we don't do prove ourselves to each other anymore in terms of it. You, you can, even the scripts often will just like, I, I, this is what I want this to feel like, Brian, this is why it needs to be this way. But then it doesn't have to go into every last infinite detail. 
And, and similarly, Ryan will, will draw things and put things into the comic that are not in the script in terms of bits of business or action or whatever. And I might pull something out there and put some dialogue on it. And all of a sudden that becomes a through line in future issues. And we did that in Curse Words all the time um, where were characters that I did not anticipate being anything. Like I didn't, you know, basically came out of Ryan just drawing something interesting to me on a page. And I think that is, there's a lot that's fun about this creative pairing, uh, but that is one of the things I really, really like is the way that it's always, it's a ping pong ball. Imagine a ping pong ball bouncing between our heads right now. Imagine it. That's what it's like. <laughs> An entertaining, very highly entertaining ping pong ball. Yeah, it's full yes, of like exactly. Full of and I can imagine, I can imagine coloring and committing to coloring eight issues, knowing it's going to be eight issues is probably an easier thing too than, than like with Curse Wars being 29. You, you yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> the, the way that this book expanded, it was 10, 10 issues were the content, like yeah, so. each count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But still, 10 issues is still a better commitment than 30 or 40. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, no, it, I, not anything that would be ongoing. I don't think I would ever do that. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I do really like the the format of doing a shorter series, but there was a lot of benefit to doing the longer series yeah. in terms of um, the amount of invention, like the laying, laying all the, the foundation of the visuals is um, like after doing curse words, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I can make a book that looks different than this. Cause this is what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. And so it was a real, uh, like it, was, it took a lot of exploration to figure out a different look, including like different using different tools. And then like for me, I see it very clearly, but I I, I got new glasses for issue three. Um, <laughs> and 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 I, you know, like so I was having such problems with my close-up vision and I, I saw many uh optometrists that said, Well, you just need to get readers. And then I, and I would get readers and they wouldn't work for me and they would be like too disorienting. And then I went to target optical and I talked to the person at target optical and they said, well, you can't use readers. You have an astigmatism. You need special like readers for your astigmatism. And I was like, really? It's amazing. No one's brought that up before. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> go to target. They're yeah. right on target. Yeah, and and the very nice uh, uh, lady that works at Target was like, yeah, you you can't wear readers because of having an astigmatism, and so she got I got these special glasses for old people to draw, and uh and like my art, I felt so much better about everything that I was doing starting in like issue three is when I got them, and then in issue four is when I was talking to Daniel Warren Jonathan, and he told me the secret to using real pencil and being able to erase it. Um, which has been a long, um, it's a, it's a, it's a big art pursuit for a lot of artists. I know because I used to draw everything in blue line pencil. And then yeah. after you ink it, you don't have to erase it. So that, so the ink will stay, uh, on the page versus if you have to erase, you usually lift a lot of ink off the paper. And so, uh, so you use blue lines, so you don't have to erase. So the ink stays down. And then in the, in Photoshop, you just pull the blue out and then yeah. you have your stuff. But drawing with blue lead is a different texture than drawing with with graphite. And so like that is always the thing is like, how do you get how do you draw in graphite and then ink over it and then erase and have the inks still stay dark? And uh, I've talked to artists forever. Nobody knows like what ink are you using? What eraser are you using? What paper are you using? And it's like I've tried so many of those different things. And then talking to Dan, because Dan, I asked him because he puts down so much lead mm-hmm. and then I've seen his originals and they're not like washed out. The ink doesn't lift. And he said he figured it out. And it is, it is the lead. It is a, there is a specific lead that you can get that uh, will lift while leaving the ink behind. And so that was like a complete art game changer for me. And that, that, that I got for starting an issue four. And okay. so to me, when I look at it, I look at issues one and two and I'm like, eh. and then I look at issue three and I'm like, oh, okay, I could probably see better. And then I look at issue four and I'm like, all right, well, this is the way that I draw now. And so uh, that was the weird thing. So when, when I was preparing files for the hardcover, I did go back and tweak some of the early genies looked kind of weird and uh, some of the early colors. I didn't really know what the look was going to be. So when the hardcover comes out in July, um, if you've read the the single issues, you could compare them against the hardcover, and the hardcover is like the definitive edition of the look of the book. You know, so, you know, some friend. Yeah. 
after all this talk about art process and leads and <laughs> I feel like I got lead poisoning right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's okay. You I know, it's, it's, it's like graphite. It's graphite. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I got graphite poisoning. Okay. Jeez, I'm sorry. You know, I'll, I'll you never know talk about it again. When, when you're writing in a notebook, if you use a <laughs> pen or a pencil or like a different color pen, different color every time. Okay, great, great. So great art advice. You can talk about great art advice. I love it. Well, I I love so speaking of pencil, my, my buddy Ben Bishop, who who draws for the uh, last run. I'm not making myself clear. He he <laughs> he, he inks in pencil. Ben yeah. Bishop, who draws for the last run and inks in pencil, he just pushes like has a thicker pencil, harder pencil. He just it's he doesn't actually yeah, ink yeah. over any of his artwork. And 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 that's an interesting way of doing it as well. Also, I realized that the cover of issue three has glasses on the genie. Is that on purpose? <laughs> The cover of issue three, yeah, I mean, yeah. Say, like, well, but my point is, that you got glasses. glasses. But yeah, that wasn't that wasn't necessarily a a, a me announcing to the world that I can see better now. But uh, but sure, yeah, okay, yeah. You take it, you take it right there. <laughs> so they they wrapped up. Their hardcover is coming out in July, like you mentioned. It's a deluxe hardcover edition. Is that the only way it's going to be available in trade, or is that going to be available in the future in a different version? Not that I'm saying don't buy that because I do. I mean, it's worth it but is this just a decision you guys made to make it a hardcover well trade, uh, you know? the, the all of your single issues are going to be destroyed so the only way that you will be able to get it in any way is the hardcover even and the fifth printing that i own <laughs> even that one even the divos even yes. the Andrew divos, they're all gonna be destroyed uh so we want to make sure people are going to buy that hardcover this is the only way we could guarantee yeah. to do it so um as of now we the image did a very healthy print run on that hardcover. Okay. We're very excited about it. Has the San Diego thing been announced? No. At San Diego Comic-Con, <laughs> which is in like a month, mm -hmm. uh, Image is, is, has a, a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive hardcover of 8 Billion Genies. That is where it will be debuting, as far as we know. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're, we are going there to sign it and meet people. It's going to be amazing. And so uh, please tell your readers, uh, because it's going to be super fun for us and I think fun for other people. But... Moving forward from there, there will be there's the the hardcover that like the main yeah. cover, and then there's I think I don't know four or five different retailers did their mm -hmm. own cover for it. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of different external editions of the book. The, in, the interiors will be the same, but there's lots of there's cool extras. There's uh, neat neat process stuff. There's some neat essays. I, I'm pretty sure we put our like the Hollywood pitch in there um, that we yeah. did to get the the book sold to Amazon Studios for movie development and TV development. Um, so it's going to be really, it's going to be really good. Uh, as far as doing other stuff down the road, I mean, Ryan and I are big fans of, 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 you know, taking existing material and and presenting it to a new audience, new audience, because the people who would buy it in floppies aren't always the people who would buy it in hardcover, aren't always the people who would buy it in trade. And so mm -hmm. if you do it in all these different ways, then hopefully you're expanding your audience with every every version. So. While we don't have specific plans to do that, we really yeah. want to milk this audience for as much cash as we can <laughs> on this hardcover. It's beautiful, worth every penny. But once those people are exhausted, we I wouldn't be surprised if we put out a soft yeah. cover. Yeah, <laughs> it was a deliberate decision. We talked about it a lot um, to not do two trades, mm -hmm. to yeah. have yeah. a trade after yeah. issue four, um, especially with the issues being oversized. It would have been like a fine size trade. Mm -hmm. um, but we really felt like it's best served to read it as a whole. And so that's why we waited all the way. Cause you know, there were people on issue one just being like, I'm, that sounds awesome. Let me know when the trade's out. And I'm like, that's going to be like a year yeah. <laughs> or the year and two months. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, so with this like presentation, this was like, this is what we were building towards like mm -hmm. being able to sit down and read it all together in one thing. So once this sells through and whatever the plan would be, like we haven't really talked about it, but there are people that don't want to buy a hardcover mm -hmm. and don't want to buy single issues. So I think eventually we'll we'll figure something out. And whether that's one trade soft cover for the whole thing or two little ones, I mean, I can't imagine. But um, but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, yes. uh, blockbuster. Absolute blockbuster. Um, that book stayed in hardcover for years because people just kept buying the thing. You could not, there was no paperback of the Da Vinci Code for, for many years. I want to say four or five years because it was really selling well in hardcover. And so I think 8 Billion Genies could be the Da Vinci Code of comics. And so that's my preference. Because I, Yeah. I mean, I is that how you sold it to Amazon? Is that the pitch? Yeah. 
Well, it's it's you know it's it's. Pretty, I don't know. You'll have to read the pitch material in the back of the cover yeah. to find out. It's a it's a two hundred and eighty two page book. Yeah, it's printed oversized with like a hollow foil cover. Like it's got this special like mirrory rainbowy like effect over all of the genie stars on it, God, uh, which was super so fun. Beautiful. We got to see a mm -hmm. whole like print sample of all the different um like hollow foil rainbowy kind of things. So. So we picked the best one and like it's only 40 bucks and mm -hmm. so like i don't know would a, a 282 page soft cover trade be 30 dollars? i mean come maybe. on maybe like I, well, I i bet people i bet people are gonna like glue this to the ceiling above their yes. bed so yeah, they go to sleep happy and they wake up happy yeah. every day i mean there certainly is a world where people don't buy it because they're like oh hard i want it soft mm -hmm. and i don't know that's just people i'm not going <laughs> I'm not going I'm there. But, um, <laughs> but, let's get the batteries out again, huh? Yeah, exactly. No, but no, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I'm not. I don't know if the said uh, creator or or their publisher has announced this yet. So I'm not going to name the creator or the publisher. But there's a person that I know who is doing the first trade, first release of their book, the four issues of their series, as a deluxe hardcover with a bunch of extra material and all this other stuff. And then it will be printed once like that. And then when it runs out and so on and so forth, it goes back into reprinting. They're just going to release it as a trade paperback because they realize that like the the, the core people who are going to buy your book and want it in this nicer quality thing are the person who, people who are going to buy it like release date or close to the release date. Right. Sure. And sure. the people in the future, you guys would just like to have people read the book and buy the book. So it would make sense if people want down the road for some sort of like, that's a cheaper version of it, but like somewhere just to get it in people's hands. However, this deserves a hard, hard, hard. I mean, that's why curse words over there is a hard, you know, it's obviously a lot longer, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. I'm just saying like curse words, it, it's beautiful. It's nice. It's thick. If someone breaks into my house, I can hit them with it. It, it, yeah, it, it it's is nice. A yeah. <laughs> this, one's, this one, you know, the other part of it too is, is we were doing this with images, which means we have some, yes. you know, our voice is, is louder than at some publishers in terms of the presentation of the final material. And this just feels special to us. It feels special to us both. It feels special. The image feels, feels special to readers and retailers, I think. And so sometimes books just, should get a hardcover and mm -hmm. and we decided that eight billion units would be one of them it might not be more complicated than that uh but it's worth it and you guys did a uh if you bought foc certain number you did you did sign um book plates too right is that correct yeah. yes i think yeah. so i don't yes we did i okay we did it took a long time it was really <laughs> I, it's just, it's crazy how much time it took basically set up this deal i am there are and he will he will agree with this a thousand percent there are there are things in our creative work together that i'm extremely hands-on about and very focused and really nail and there are other things where like you can't you can't get me to you just can't i'm gone i'm not in it <laughs> and and i and i know that that is occasionally a source of frustration ryan but it's just it's just you know i don't know i'm just delightful that way so this this signed editions thing was one of them and so this box of two thousand of these in things, these things that get put in the book, show up at my house. I'm like, okay. And I just started signing them. And I like took a picture of them and said, I'm signing all these things for 8 Billion Genius hardcover. And people started asking me online, what are these for? How can we get them? And I had no idea. I, I still <laughs> have only the vaguest idea of what they're going to be used for. So why I can tell you they, uh, if you, or if your store ordered 25 copies, they got a book plate, signed book plate by Charles and I, that I designed uh, for each copy. Okay. And so okay. they, if they ordered 24 copies, they got zero. If they ordered 25, they got 25. If they ordered 50, they got 50, et cetera, et cetera. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. What a great it's, idea. It's really cool. Um, it's really cool. So uh, yeah, and I don't, I mean, look, it's up to the stores for what they want to do with those. <laughs> do you want 24, you get nothing? Yeah. <laughs> do you want 25, they're all signed. Yeah. No, you, yeah, you get nothing for 24. But know. if you do 25, they're all signed. Yeah, they're all signed, yeah. So it's not like 25 and then you get one sign. These no, all signed. They're all signed. That's yeah. the greatest deal I've ever heard of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. the people who like after they do the FOC and they place the order and they didn't, they didn't see that and they ordered 23 to like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. The uh the ship has sailed oh, on this. The sorry. ship the ship has sailed on this one because I'm not signing anymore. Well, <laughs> it's good. It's a, well, like, I'm gonna guess. Oh, I'm gonna guess out there that there's a possibility I'll be able to buy it from one of your two websites eventually. Signed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, we we you will absolutely. We probably should put those up on that. Let's just let's wait. But soon enough, Ryan soon and I enough, both yeah. have. Um, I feel like we're getting to the point where we should say, "Where can you find you guys?" So we um are both 
quite online. Uh, we both have uh, websites. Mine is charlessoul.com, S-O-U-L-E.com. Ryan's is still godhatesastronauts.com. Yeah, godhatesastronauts.com. Godhatesastronauts.com. We both have uh, newsletters that we put out about once a month. They don't cost any money. Go to those websites. You can easily you get a little pop-up. You can put your email address in, and then you can stay up to date with all of our things that we're doing. On each of those websites, there is a very robust uh, store that has a lot of our cool items on it, including mm -hmm. genies, curse words, and a lot of other things that we have both done in the past that are not those things and, and weird stuff that you can't get other places. But if you, right. if down the road, you do think you're going to want either like to try curse words if you haven't tried, or you want a signed copy of 8 Billion Genies, that's the place to get it, including, mm -hmm. I believe, the Divov variant from both yeah. of us uh -huh. that we've talked yeah, about exhaustively yeah. on the program. I wonder why there isn't a Divoff variant of the hardcover. That's what I want to know. He would know. Arm and a leg. Arnold, oh he would literally gosh. charge us an arm and a leg. At, at least $600. Oh, my God. Um, but we we uh, we are both on Twitter. I'm at Charles Soul. Ryan's at Ryan Brown Art. Uh, we're yes. both on Instagram. I'm at Charles D. Soul. Ryan Brown Art. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. basically that's good. Really, yeah, that was but, really good. Thanks. And, um, and, and Ryan has got eight astronauts. By the time this airs, though, the Kickstarter would have ended. But, you know, eventually you'll yeah. be able to buy the... Yeah, I, I'll have it. I'm doing a little bit of an uh, an overprint, and so I'll have it up okay. for pre-order on my web store as well. And okay. yeah, and then my 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 current goal is I'm doing new issues of God Hates Astronauts, which is a book I've self-published for a long time. Then I did through Image. Then I went back to self-publishing, and now uh, I'm just doing a new short series, and I'm doing it via Kickstarter. So. Uh, this was the first issue and then uh once i get that fulfilled and draw issue two then i'll launch a kickstarter for issue two three four maybe five probably just four mm -hmm. uh, and at some point uh ryan and i will come up with another new thing which is actually if anybody's wondering why we're in the same place right now it's because we have come to uh together to to figure out what we're going to do to follow up eight billion genies which is a we decided it was so momentous that we should do it in person which is kind of awesome which is, which is awesome, which is one of those when, when Ryan, when you emailed me back saying you're flying to New York for a creative session, I honestly got giddy. So that was, I was like, oh, they're back. In, they're in the same spot in the same world. This is crazy. Yeah. So, do you yeah. do you have any ideas? Because I'm out. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I figured out. And then, um, uh, uh, Charles, you have, yeah. uh, this is the special edition one from the Kickstarter, but this is the endless yeah. vessel. I don't have the actual one. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. You one I got plenty. Um, the, the, so my, that is my newest thing. It's yeah. my latest novel, The Endless Vessel, that came out in stores on June 6th. So last week. Uh, it is a an awesome book uh, of adventure and like science fiction and cool things. It's kind of like um, you know David Mitchell's Cloud Atlas or or the Midnight Library. Some people are calling it the Da Vinci Code of books. So uh, I urge you to check it out. Um, I'm really really proud of it. It's a heck of a read. And that's the only thing you're doing right now, right? No, I'm I'm doing <laughs> other things too, but. Let's so let's just, you, let's yes, yes, that's a lie. But I did, I wanted to say really quickly is that Shrouded College Hell to Pay issue uh, ends this December 6th of the first yes. series, ends this month or in July, I should say. And then, or July, June, June, I think either either last, the last one, June or the first yeah. Wednesday of July. And uh, then uh, you have yeah. the uh, trade coming out at some point. This the trade is out, yes. Yeah, so, so the other, the other big image series, I'm doing two other image series right now. One is Undiscovered Country, long running series, which is going to come back with issue 25 in August about a, like a very altered United States that has been um, running since 2019. I do that with Scott Snyder, Snyder. and just said to Kevin Coley. There it is, Undiscovered Country. Um, and then the other series I'm doing is is a large sort of multi-part thing called the shrouded college which is a horror adventure series i built with will sliney who is a fabulous irish artist and heartthrob uh he uh we have we're almost finished with the first story which is called hell to pay about 666 cursed coins that have to be found uh and then the next story is called the bloody dozen uh which is coming out later this year also from image comics and if you check out um, Hell to Pay number six. You will see your first art from that and and the reveal of the artist drawing it and some other really cool things. So that's, Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, Will was on the podcast for our Star Wars week talking about Star Wars. Oh, and nothing but amazing say, stuff to say about you, Charles. So there you uh, go. Will, is, will is, <laughs> is, if, you know, other than Ryan Brown, he's, he's the absolute best. I, I love Will. It was awesome to come on, but yeah, it, it's great. It's great, great series. Get out there and grab it. Grab all your all, all your stuff from both you guys. Like I said, visit your websites and things like that because uh, you know can't get enough of, of the Ryan Brown Charles Soul uh, you know duo. 
Absolutely, you guys. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah, right. stuff. I'm looking forward to it. And then obviously we're waiting for something to come out at some point on screen. We're we'll, 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 we're eagerly oh, yeah. waiting for that. Yeah. You know, Hopefully soon. They'd be, they'd be excited for that too as well. And 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 you know, so on. Uh, deluxe hardcover of Eight Billion Genies hits LCS is on July 19th and bookstores everywhere on the 25th of July. So make sure you grab that. If you haven't pre-ordered, obviously FOC is passed, but tell your local comic shop that you want yeah. uh, that thing or your local bookstore as well, or buy it anywhere books are sold at some point there too. I really appreciate you two coming on talking to 8 billion genies, curse words, batteries, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, this is, this Battery is talk fun. Is, yeah. Well, you extensive. know, visual aids. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I really appreciate Thank it. Uh, you. Thank you too, both so much. And, and enjoy your time together. Let's create, get oh. creative. Let's go. Yep. All right. Yep. yep. I got to work on it. I got to work on it. All right. Ideas, here they come. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. That was Charles Soul and Ryan Brown talking about 8 Billion Genies and so much more. Be sure to visit them online and visit them on social media. Subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff over at Spotify, Apple, and all your major podcasting platforms to this Capes and Tights podcast, as well as follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a great day.